It's the Geo Show. 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 Hello and welcome to another episode of The Geo Show. Uh, broadcasting from home as per usual. I am, of course, your host and master of ceremonies, GOP, and uh, we've got another very special guest as per usual. This guy's got a lot on his plate. He is a administrative coordinator at the New York Film Academy. He's a musician, he's a voice actor, and just like me, podcast host as well. He is the host of the Real Talk Underground podcast. And he is here, of course, uh, fr- my good friend, uh, Robbie Aaron. Robbie, how are you doing? Hey, Gio. How's it going, man? <laughs> it's going fantastic. How's everything in your end of the world? Oh, you know, it's pretty good. Um, it's, you know, just like anywhere else in the world, right? It's unfortunately locked down due to the pandemic. <laughs> but um, otherwise, it's good. You know, another day of life. Uh, I can't complain. I really can't. Well, that's good. Let's just uh, jump into this. I've been asking, I've been starting off my show with, uh, I've always been asking the guests this one question, due to the times we're living in. How have you been coping with the uh, pandemic at hand? How you? How have you been going on with your life during these uh, crazy times? How have you been affected? That's a great question and <laughs> one that I'm very happy to answer. <laughs> um, well, I've been affected in many ways. Um, I think the biggest sort of, effect that it's had on me is it's kind of, you know, giving me that cabin fever sort of sensation where it's like, I, you're, we're so used to being free, right? Because, I mean, especially where I'm from in, in Los Angeles, where, you know, we're always out and about. We're always doing things. We're always driving somewhere. We're always going to the beach. We're going to see our friends. We're going to the bar. We're going to a concert. Mm-hmm. Life is always moving here. And, you know, for once in our, in, in our lives, in my life, in 30 years, it stopped. So, you know, that's been a very unique circumstance. I think it, most people would agree that it takes a psychological effect on you. And, you know, some people um, deal with, I guess, isolation differently than others. See me, I don't mind it because I'm sort of a hybrid anyways. Like I like being very extroverted and out with people, but I don't mind having my new time either. So it just depends on the day. Like if I really feel like being out, that's when it really hits me. Where it sucks, where it's like, oh man, like, uh, I wish I was at a show, I wish I could go to a bar, I wish I can, you know, you name it. So, um, but the way I've been coping with it is exercise. I exercise every day. I, I keep my mind busy artistically. Um, uh, I think you mentioned this in, in the intro, but I, I actually speak several languages. So I'm actually learning my fourth language right now. And that's kind of been keeping me busy. Um, I'm still working full time, thankfully, at the New York Film Academy, as you as you mentioned in the beginning. So, you know, not much has changed there. The only difference is I'm working remotely from home. So, um, just staying busy, Gio. You know what I mean? Just trying everything I can. Um, I run a cool little group on Facebook with friends of mine. We're big uh, nerds and fans of the game Resident Evil. So, you know, we we uh, just kind of shared, you know facts and knowledge and memes about that that game on there so that's one of the things um play guitar obviously i like like you mentioned i compose music um this has actually been a really good time for that because um 
that's the one thing I wish I had more time when things were, I guess, quote unquote, normal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now that things are the way they are, um, I'm finding more time to play the guitar. I've been recording music on my on my software at home and stuff like that. So basically, just the arts, man. That's what's really been keeping me sane. It's doing things that are creative, where you actually have to kind of think and get your mind off things for a minute. Oh, yeah, I I 100% relate to that. Definitely. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I almost uh, I almost canceled. I had this show technically or quote unquote canceled. And then I decided, you know, a little bit back in February, once the virus started to hit, I decided why not bring it back? So I think the great thing about this virus is it's really I mean, if you can even say there's a great thing to it, one of the upsides is it's bringing the bringing back the creative side in a lot of people. On that note, Gio, um, I gotta say there are silver linings to this pandemic. Believe me, there are. It's just you have to you actually have to acknowledge them, whatever they are for you. So for guys like us who are very artistic, you know, um, this pandemic has actually served kind of a, a very grand purpose and it's been very positive in my opinion you just gotta kind of dig and find what those are for you and believe me there's a lot there's a lot more to be learned and a lot more to be gained from this pandemic than lost i think this is especially teaching us to appreciate the things we once took for granted um if you want to look at it from like a very spiritual perspective you know simple things um so i i, I my hope is that people are learning from this and that they don't just go back to their quote-unquote normal lives and that they actually take something away from this and become stronger. Now, jumping into, let's let's jump in. Let's jump into the interview and let's jump into you. Um, so you have a pretty big role. You are, uh, as mentioned before in the intro, you are uh, an administrative coordinator at the New York Film Academy. Tell us a little bit, little bit about that and how'd you get into that role? Absolutely, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, So that is my role there at the Academy. And as you know, the New York Film Academy is the best school for the the, um, performing arts in in the country. Um, Maybe even the world. It's it's renowned for a lot of high profile directors. A lot of actors have come out of that school, Um, especially a lot of like international directors and actors have come out of that school because their philosophy is you teach filmmaking by filmmaking. So in, instead of just being in a classroom and saying, I'm going to learn about how to write a, you know, a screenplay or I'm going to learn about what this function is on a camera, which they do learn, instead of just solely focusing on that objective is to actually get the student to start, you know, changing out the, you know, the, um, the, the camera and start to you know, get everything ready. Like they basically, it's a very hands-on training type of school. It's a college for, for learning the actual science and art of filmmaking. So in order to do it, you have to make your first film. And, and they basically hit the hit the ground running when, when they enroll there. And um, the way I got into it, it's kind of funny. And so um, I've worked, um, you know, every job you can think of, uh, Gio. And, um, but it's, it's always been outside of the creative sort of, I guess, orbit, which is, I know it's, uh, it's, it's kind of um, counterintuitive to what you might think because I'm an artist. As an artist, we usually have our day job, right? And at night we have our, our passion. So mm-hmm. I, always, I always wanted something that was 
both. You know, I wish I was like, I wish I could just go like to like, I don't know, work for a record label or work for, you know, um, a movie studio or uh, I don't know, you name it, just something in the arts. And it was always very hard to come by. You know, I consulted with you know job agencies. All these people were like, man, that's kind of hard to get into. So you might want to like consider other options. And you know, I was like, nah, I'm gonna actually keep keep pushing for this. So. Literally one day I saw the ad online somewhere and I thought, well, hell, I've, I've got plenty of experience as a coordinator at like hospitals and um, nonprofit organizations and things that were very non-artistic. The only difference is now it's in, in, a, in, a, in the entertainment industry. So, you know, I, I jumped on it right away and, and it was funny because I submitted my application and like literally the Monday after I got a call back for an interview. And I was so excited, like, man, this is great. This is this is exactly what I wanted. And you know, they put me through three rounds of interviews, and um, everybody was great. Like, their even their interview process was so unorthodox. Like, one of my questions was, "What's your favorite movie?" and quote your favorite line from it. <laughs> and you had to think about that on the spot. So I was just like, "Of course," you know, and I love that. That's the kind of stuff I have at the tip of my tongue every day. And um, and yeah, so um, as, a, as an administrative coordinator, I basically assist the instructors, most of which are well-known directors or people working in the industry right now who maybe are on a, a sitcom as a producer or a writer or a director or even an actor. Um, you know the show Days of Our Lives, right? The soap opera? They, they filmed that, actually, at our, at our right across the street at Burbank Studios. Wow. Yeah, so I, I, I actually have to walk through that every day and I get to see them filming. It's the best thing ever, man. Um, and so basically I, I'm, I'm like a liaison, you know, I kind of, I'm like a middleman for the instructors and students and I, I'm very much behind the scenes on the administrative side. But it's nice because instead of looking at a spreadsheet full of like, I don't know, business data, I'm looking at a spreadsheet full of like, you know, screenplays, you know, um, cinematography, directing, um, producing, editing, that it's, it's such a different dynamic when you're looking at something that you're actually passionate about as opposed to something that you don't really have a, a calm for. So it's really nice. I like, I really enjoy working there. There's a lot of opportunity for growth. You do a lot of networking. Um, yeah, man, I, I can't complain. What's, uh, what's been one of your, I guess, favorite projects or things that you've uh, uh, done at, as the coordinator? Yeah, so one of my favorite things so far um, has been to, so one of my jobs is to go through the students' thesis projects and basically um, I had to compile, one, one of my first assignments when I started at the New York Film Academy was, was to go through their thesis, which is basically a, a feature film. They have two options, they get it. You can either do a short film or a feature film and they train you in both. And it, I mean, how cool is that, right? Instead of instead of writing this 50-page paper, you have to direct the movie. <laughs> so it's like, man, like these guys got it made in shape. Um, so one of my jobs was to go through like um, their screenplay, for example, and um, kind of grade it, and also you know um, uh, you know make sure that the the student is kind of comprehending the the concept of visual literacy and you know, um, our grasping material. And that was amazing because I get to literally watch the film. 
I get to you know see how they put their their um, their crew together, their cast. Um, I'm directly in charge of signing off on casting rooms, so it's really great because I get to meet the director and the actors, and it's just you know you're just surrounded by you know something that I always dreamed about being behind the scenes of. So it's surreal being at work because you know. Um, like I said, you know, you, you fantasize about this as a kid, like, oh, I wonder what it's like to make a movie, and then there you are, literally, uh, in the room while it's all going on. So it's, it's really exciting. Um, yeah, man, <laughs> I really like it. Uh, something I want to go off of now, you've obviously, I'm guessing, worked with a lot of uh, students at the as a, as a film coordinator have any uh so or as an administrative creator excuse me but have any uh gone on to um bright futures have any like uh how would you say how have have any kind of hit the big time yes um in fact on that on that subject so there's two people that come to mind right now and and pardon me i don't remember i don't remember one of the guy's names at the top of my head but he just won the bafta award for best voice acting role in the video game life is strange part two. Oh wow yeah he was one of our students at, at our campus in los angeles and he just won the bafta award just this past i think it was in april and my other friend jolene anderson who played um ada wong in resident evil 2 the remake she was also a runner-up um in the same game uh life is strange so it was kind of cool to see that people you know that i was you know, connected with were, were involved in this, and I was rooting for both of them. And when that got when that kid got the the award, and he's really young, he's only like 19 or something like that. He uh, he got the the lead best, I think it was best lead role in a video game or supporting role. Look it up. I forget his name, but um, yeah, Life is Strange too. He's one of our alumni, and this other girl, she's a recent alumni. I think she graduated in 2018. Her name is Phyllis Tam. Um, look her up as well. Her her uh, short film, or maybe it's a documentary. I'm not sure. Is up for like a like an Academy Award, basically. So it's it's uh it's getting a lot of attention. So um, that that's in recent news for the New York Film Academy. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of cool alumni that have come out of there. I don't know if you know um, Bill Hader. He, he's uh, he's like on all the Judd Apatow films. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he does this show called Barry on, I think it's HBO. He was he also went to the New York Film Academy. I think he went to a different branch, but he recently came and did an interview at our campus. Um, I just sat in on an interview with, uh, what's his name, Alec Baldwin. That was really cool. Um, you know, So we get a lot of people that come and, and speak on behalf of the school, or they just bring their knowledge to the school to you know, inspire up and coming artists, you know, like ourselves. So it's really nice how, you know, I love when artists support artists. That's, I, I think that's the most beautiful thing about being in the arts is being in an environment where everybody lifts each other up and it's not like, you know, I gotta fend for myself. Like if you could, at the very least, root for your partner for getting that role or signing that record deal or whatever, then do it, man, because it's only gonna help you out. Not only that, so you're you're a film coordinator, but not only that, you've uh, you've dabbled in, I guess, the screen, but you've also dabbled in a bit of sound, and you are the host of a podcast. It is called Real Talk Underground, and it's currently available on Spotify. 
Tell us a little bit about that podcast. How did that get started? Yeah, so Real Talk Underground was five years in the making. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was an idea I had actually even further than that. I first, my first ever, I guess, um, the first time I ever thought, even knew what a podcast was, was I think when I was 20. So like, like 2010 around there. But it even goes back further than that. When I was a kid, I just loved the idea of having um, like a morning radio show or just, you know, when I would be in the car on the way, to, you know, on the way to school in the morning listening to, you know, one of the stations we have out here is K-Rock, you know, 106.7. It's a very famous station. And we also have Power 106. And they're like two of the most renowned radio stations in the LA area for alternative music and hip hop. And I just remember admiring, you know, the just the thought of speaking on behalf of something that you're passionate about, whether it's an artist or a song or even just current affairs, just to speak candidly about something always made me excited because I love to listen and I love to partake. And, you know, I remember being a kid and we used to record our own, like, sort of, you know, um, mock, you know, um, versions of a, a podcast, if you will, when we were kids. And it was a lot of fun because we were just making fun of each other, but we were like three guys in a room and we were all friends and having a good time. So, you know, fast forward, whatever, um, 15 years later or 20 years later, and I decided, man, I, I really want to do this. And, you know, podcasts have really only um, gained momentum in the last, I, I wouldn't even say 10, 15 years, maybe. They're, they're a re relatively new concept, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, long story short, um, I, I, I gave it a shot in 2015. I didn't have a name for it, but I, I bought a mic. I think it was like a Blue Yeti. And, um, you know, I, I, I like put some horrible music in the beginning and it just, it didn't work. And I didn't have time. I was still in college. I said, okay, I'm going to put this aside. I don't know if I'm going to get to it, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So five years later, you know, I'm out of school and I'm, I'm going to go, you know, um, clean slate, right? So I decided in, what was it? God, I want to say it was 20... 2018. Yeah, all, all of 2018, I did the concept for what became Real Talk Underground. Originally, it was going to be called uh, me and this. It was going to be it was going to be two hosts, me and a friend of mine at the time, the guy from Brazil. We were going to call it um, Dose of Heroism. And basically, we wanted to give people like we wanted to inspire people by having like other, I guess, artists share their stories and whatever entrepreneurs, you name it. But we kind of drifted in different directions because my partner wanted to start his own clothing company, which I totally supported him in. But I really wanted to focus on the podcast. And, you know, we couldn't really see eye to eye in how we wanted the, the show's course to, you know, what direction we wanted it to take. So um, basically we just agreed to disagree and I went my own way. So by this time I had plenty of material. I had, I had attended seminars. I had watched, you know, um, tutorials. Um, I, I listened to a lot of like other podcasts to kind of get a, a vibe for how these things work. And then eventually, you know, um, Real Talk Underground was just born. And, you know, the name came and I thought, great, I have a name, I have a concept. And in a nutshell, Real Talk Underground is, as the name suggests, is what I believe Real Talk doesn't actually happen on the mainstream. Quite often we hear about fake news and you know people being dishonest and it's really hard to to know 
you know, who to believe in what, what's, you know, what's true, right? So mm-hmm. the concept of real talk underground is just that. The real talk happens underground, not above ground. So, you know, guys like us who are, who are starting these podcasts and, you know, going out there and getting the real story, that's where, you know, the facts can be found. So um, basically that's kind of how I led the show. And uh, I had a whole season. I did, I did about 13 episodes. And it was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of work because it was just me and um, my editor, who also is from Canada, by the way. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, really cool guy named Pierre. Super cool dude. We're still friends. Um, it was just me and him. It was a two-man team. He was a part of the. He was a part of the production side. I did all the, you know, all the um, all, all the talent acquisition. You know, found the guests. I you know basically wrote up my my my, my outlines, my concepts, and and did it that way. And it was a lot of fun, man. I got some high-profile names on the show, like just to name a few. Um, there's a man by the name of Greg Cady. He's a uh, he wrote a book, and on the on the murder of the Tupac and Chukur and, and Biggie Smalls. He's actually the man who solved that murder case. So he's a he's a detective, and he's got a Netflix series out right now called Unsolved. And he was one of my biggest guests to date because, you know, he's doing big things in, in, the, in the, the whole sci-fi crime world. And it, it was really cool to have him on. I also had the drummer from Korn, uh, his name is David Silvera. He was really cool. I mean, he was somebody that I looked up to as a kid. Um, Jolene Anderson is a good friend of mine now, good voice actress. Um, gosh. And the list goes on, man. You, you have to check it out, but... It was just so cool how my passion that started literally in my room, you know, just kind of imagining it came to fruition. And here I am interviewing people solely for solely by virtue of wanting, wanting them to share their story with me, just like we are now. And it's just amazing how far your passion can really take you if you stay consistent with it, man. And that's kind of the purpose of the show is to inspire people to stay consistent with whatever it is they're passionate about. So. If you take a listen, like you said, I'm on Spotify. I will be back on iTunes soon. Um, you know, one of the things I like to emphasize on the show is just never giving up. It's really what it comes down to. It's not a matter of luck or, or how much money you have. It's literally about your persistence. So, I mean, look at you, Gio. I mean, your show's still going strong, man. And, and I think it's come a long way since you started. And I'm really proud of you. So, you are a testament to that philosophy. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Now... What would you say, in your opinion, what is uh, your favorite episode of the show? Do you have a uh, a favorite, or is it? Do you have one that you just like? You just finished working on. You're like, oh, this one's this one's fantastic. This one's for the books. One that just like really hits home for you. That is a great question. Oh my gosh, gosh. Um, so here's how I will I will answer that question. Um, they all hit me in different ways because each guest meant something different to me in different ways, you know what I mean? Um, like, I, I'd have to say, one of the guys who I had a lot of fun um, interviewing was, his name is Martin Cruz. He's an actor from Australia. Um, he's done a lot of uh, stuff, like, on the BBC. Um, you know, he, he, he's done a couple of American films. Reservoir being one of them, um, and, and and you know he, he's been he's been with big actresses and and he's he's acted along some big names you know Judi Dench, Mila Jovich, Michelle Rodriguez, 
And I remember being a kid and sitting in the theater watching this guy, right, on the screen and thinking, man, this guy's so cool. And then one, and then, <laughs> you know, here I was talking to this guy. And I remember as soon as, you know, we hit, you know, record, I almost didn't know what to say, dude. I was just like, wow, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you right now. And so um, that was one for the books for sure, because, you know, I'll, I'll always have a record of it. And we had just such a, such a good time talking to each other. He's such a down-to-earth man. He's such a gentleman, kind soul. Um, mm-hmm. That that one was definitely one for the books. Um, they all they all packed a, a pretty a pretty good punch in their own ways, and I'm sure you could you know vouch for this. You know, each interview is unique, and um, definitely that that one was certainly one of my favorites because it was kind of like a childhood dream of mine to speak to him. And, you know, we're actually, you know, we, now it's to a point where we actually know each other's, you know, name. And, we, you know, we now and again, we'll check in on each other. How you doing, man? How's the family? So it's like, what the hell? This is, this is, how is this real? You know? So that was one for the book. And yeah, I, I completely, I completely agree with you on the stance, but I always, I always have this kind of testament for myself. It's like, it's like a, a, a mom and dad with their children. You can't, you can't have a favorite. You love all the you love all the interviews equally. Yeah, man. Honestly, it, that's really how it should be. Because when you're doing these things, you know, obviously you invited them on the show and they agree and you must have some kind of interest in them. So, you know, um, always give it your all, obviously, and, and, you know, be attentive and just be engaged. And um, I would say from a, from a perfectly candid and honest opinion, you're not always going to get the expectation that you wanted because not no two guests are alike period mm-hmm. there are some people who are better conversationalists than others there are some people who are just like you know um maybe they'll lose the point really quickly or maybe you know it's hard to keep them kind of focused in the interview um and so and that's okay i mean it's that's why as as hosts it's our job to lead it in case that happens and you know I've had that happen before where it's like, oh, gosh, I, I totally didn't see this interview going that way at all. You kind of that, That's when you kind of have to be resourceful and think of ways to keep it interesting. And then I think no matter what happens on your podcast, you go with the flow. You don't say, oh, that was horrible and you scrap it. Keep the ones that are shit, man, because that makes you a well-rounded, you know, host. And that, that, that shows that you've seen every kind of interview, not just, oh, this guy just always gets super interesting people. You know what I mean? Like, no, like Geo talks to everybody from, you know, economists to rock stars. So I think that's sort of the, the point of the, in podcasting is you should be able to, well, not should, but you are given the opportunity to talk to anybody basically and have a, a candid, open conversation and really get to know them as a human being. I think that's the purpose of podcasting. Definitely. One one hundred percent. I, you know, I couldn't have put it better myself. I'd like I'd like to say you took the words right out of my mouth, but I wouldn't have been able to think of such poetic words myself. But oh man, jeez, you're like really like buttering me up today. I feel so good. <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> right on, Gio. Anyway, one of the last things I want to talk about is that when I have people on, I love to, I love to discuss, like what interests and like what interests people have what drives them and one of your big interests you've brought it up uh kind of name dropped it a few times is your 
a bit you're a big fan of resident evil the uh, resident evil series tell us a little bit about that how'd you get into that and how was it how has it affected your life i knew that was coming <laughs> how did i know that was coming <laughs> um you know um yeah man of course of course um you know um yes i'm a huge fan um and i think that's the great thing about being an artist is that you know when people such as yourself you know, give, give you the opportunity to speak on behalf of something that you're interested in, you know, it, you then are able to kind of inform your audience, oh, wow, like, I would have never thought that that dude was into that, or I, ne- I would have never thought that she cared about that subject, you know what I mean? So, like, it really, it really brings the human side to life when, when we have these conversations, you know, because at first glance, if you saw me, I would, I, the first thing you, you would not think is gamer. You wouldn't think, oh, this guy definitely plays PlayStation, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if a gamer has like a stereotype, but um, I'm sure there's memes out there, all kinds of things. But um, yeah. So what I'm saying is, um, you can't really judge a book by its cover. And yeah, Resident Evil has been something that I've really loved since I was a kid. Um, I was like, this might sound bad, but I was six years old when I first saw the game being played. Um, at my house, my cousin was playing on PlayStation one day, and I thought to myself, what on earth is this? Like, this, you know, because this was at the height of the, the 90s horror genre when, you know, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead was huge, right? Like, all the mm-hmm. George, George A. Romero films were just huge in the 90s. So um, I think the developers of the game really brought that home you know, for the gamers, and I think that's why it exploded, because it had been the first of its kind. You know, I'm sure there was, like, uh, uh, prototypes in the beginning that mimicked it a little bit, but it wasn't quite what the extent that Resident Evil accomplished at Capcom. And, you know, I thought, here, here, you know, in a nutshell, you know, basically, you're, you're just an everyday cop who happens to be, you know, surrounded by this conspiracy that is spearheaded by a corporation that's developing bioweapons that turns people into zombies and here you are scratching your head trying to figure out what you know what the fuck am I gonna do and you gotta stay alive. It's it's survival horror. And um, it, it's it's a brilliant concept because um, and I think Joe White, the the guy who played Red, Chris Redfield, one of my good friends as well, he put it brilliantly on my on my podcast when I interviewed him. He, he said, you know, the the genius of survival four is that you're this like elite commando, but you're limited with inventory. You're limited with your um, your understanding of your surroundings. You're separated from your team, and you somehow have to get out of this mansion or this city. And it just that's kind of the genius of Resident Evil is that the suspense is what kills you. It's not the monsters. It's the unknown, like what the hell is behind that door or what's going to come next. You know what I mean? What is the next plot to it? So it's much more than just a game. I really like the lore of it. I like the story of it. And I think that's why guys like Paul Anderson, who also fell in love with the game, um, you know, brought it home. Well, he didn't bring it home kind of in another way. But that's why guys like him developed movies because it was just such a fantastic concept. To answer your other question, the way it's affected my life is – let me just put it this way. I can't think of any other, any facet of my life that doesn't involve that game. 
I mean, even right down to my podcast, I mean, three out of my 13 guests were involved in the Resident Evil franchise, and they're all now my friends. Um, you know, um, I have a whole group of it on Facebook, and, um, you know, and, and there's like 300 members, and people are joining on the daily, and all I did was want to start it just for pure fun, but people are like, super gung-ho about it, you know what I mean? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to meet a lot of really cool people, you know, the, 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 I love the music, I love the films, I love the books, I love the video games, obviously. Um, and, and to put it even more uh, precisely, it actually inspired me to go into, into voice acting. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, because one of the biggest things that Resident Evil is known for is it's, is its cutscenes and its its voice acting. Now the first game, the voice acting wasn't that great, but that's what made it great. Is that it was so over the top that you'll never forget how cheesy, you know, it was when like Barry, for example, was like, you know, <laughs> saying just something totally just um, over the top and and so out of context. And um and it, it's because the the game developers at the time didn't understand the concept of survival horror. It was all coming together. So, like, simple things like, okay, you have to scream when that zombie comes out. Like, that was so much harder to capture in the video game at the time because it was still a new concept. It was like blueprints. Exactly. They were leaving blueprints for us. And, you know, it kind of snowballed for me. And I started to think, man, I really like voice acting. It wasn't just Resident Evil. I, I really appreciated the voice acting in Metal Gear Solid, uh, other PlayStation and, and Nintendo games that were, you know, just super, like like Zelda, um, you know, just all kinds of cool stuff that came out of that era inspired me. So, um, yeah, man, that, that's actually what opened the door for me. And if it wasn't for that little spark when I was a kid, I wouldn't have met all the cool people that I have through this franchise, man, and up to the actor, you know what I mean? So it's like, it, it actually has a really big role to play in my life. And I'm not even really ashamed to say it because I, I really like like that that franchise. I think it's really brilliant. And um, truth be told, I actually have a few tattoos dedicated to me. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's great. I mean, I, I really like it. And um, um, it, it's crazy when you actually like, I mean, I'm sure you play video games. I'm not sure, but um, I, it's crazy when you, once you break into the into the like the, the community a little bit more, and you realize how many other people out there are just as passionate as you about the game. So um, it's pretty cool, and I've made a couple of friends through it. So, I mean, if you can make friends, meet your heroes, and get artistic opportunities out of your passion, I don't see anything wrong. with so that goes back to my point. You should always do what you're passionate about, whether, regardless of what people say about it, because it's what's going to lead you to, you know, your dreams coming true. Truth be told, I know that sounds cliche, but it's the truth, man. So whatever it is that, whatever it is that is for you, go after it. Period. Definitely, and don't worry about that being cliche, because you know what, one hundred, I one hundred percent agree with you. It's definitely, you know what, if you love it, go go love it some more, you know? It's just... Uh... Yeah, man. Um, seriously. And because, and this is something that, this was, this is something that I realized when I started my podcast was, 
or any artistic endeavor for that matter, even even especially in music, you're always going to get somebody, especially in the arts, you're always going to get somebody who's going to say, dude, what are you doing? Are you serious? Why are you doing that? Or you're not going to make it, or that's too hard, or just all these fucking excuses of why you shouldn't be doing it or why you can't do it. But you have to remember, Gio, that's their insecurity, not yours. That's their fear, not yours. So don't ever make somebody else's fear become yours. That's the best advice I can give an artist, is don't let other people's fear become yours. But it's plain and simple. Once you recognize that, you will really um, maximize your potential, and you will realize your dreams. Trust me, I'm, I am living proof of this. So let your passion drive you. Everything else is just white noise. Cancel it out. Definitely, definitely, man. Cannot agree with that anymore. I have to be honest. I've got. I've since we've started this interview, I've had. I've had a huge confidence boost. I mean. Oh wow! I'm glad, man. You should be an inspirational speaker. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yo, man, that's that's a huge compliment. It's funny. Um, I just speak the truth, Joe. I really do because there's no other way to live, right? Why are you going to live behind some facade when, you know, you only have one life? That's it. That's it. And it's so much better to do what you want to do than what somebody wants you to do. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who are going to resonate with that because they might be having their own self-doubts. Like, man... Am I really doing what I want to do? I don't know. That's up to them to decide. But the fact that they're asking themselves that question, if they are, tells me that they need to just let go of other people's opinions because that's the biggest problem in our society is comparison and worrying about other people's opinions. Don't worry about it. Uh, seriously, because, I mean, you are you really, at the end of the day, going to let what somebody thinks about your passion stop you? That is the worst regret you can live within your life so do it no matter what and um you know whatever that may be just go for it you know even if it's not something like being a superstar or even if it's just having a successful podcast like what you're doing right now just do that focus on that but energy goes where energy flows remember that okay and you'll see that your opportunities will begin to flourish because if you're excited about it other people will become excited about it and that's how it, it, it continues to snowball and, and that's how I really gained momentum in my artistic life, you know, is by getting excited about what it is I'm doing. And it's contagious, man. It's positive. It's positivity. Positivity really is contagious. And, Definitely. you know, it's all, it's all about mindset. That's the last thing I want to leave you with, Gio, is mindset. So, excuse me, <clears throat> whether you want to be a banker or, you know, a judge or a cop or, you know, an actor or an actress or... Maybe you want to move out of the country. Maybe you want to take an internship. Maybe you want to learn a new language. Whatever it is you want to do, do that thing because it's it's calling to you. You want to do it, but you might be afraid of doing it because of what other people think. Don't care about what they think, especially if it's your family. I hate to say it, but they're usually the first people to talk you out of your dreams, period. Don't let them, okay? I mean, I, I understand they're doing it for your protection, but they're actually hurting you because they're not letting you realize your full potential. So on that note, whatever it is that's itching at the back of your mind that you know that you're good at, focus on that thing because that's your, that's your true calling. Whatever it is that you feel like people have told you, to, hey, tone that down, hey, don't do that, do that. <laughs> Go and do that because that's what you're meant to do. Definitely. 
And I think that's just a picture perfect testament to end today's episodes on today's episode on. Robbie, if the people want to find you, get gain some more wisdom from you, where can they find you? Basically any social media man. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Robbie Aaron. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, underscore Robbie underscore Aaron G. Or you can just put Robbie Aaron, you'll find me. Um, you can send me an email, um, R-A-G-O-D-O-Y at uh, uci.edu. Yeah, there's unlimited ways to find me, man. Um, I'm on Twitter as well. That's how you and I connected. You can find me on Twitter, Robbie Aaron. Um, yeah, just reach out to me anytime. Um, even if you just want to have a talk and even if you're having doubts about your artistic career or honestly, man, like I'm the kind of guy where I, I'm, I'm open to talk about anything, anytime. It doesn't have to be about anything specific. If you have a question, even if I don't know the answer, I'll at least give you the time to talk it through. Life's too short to, you know, leave any, any doors unopened, man. So like I said, go for it. Hit me up. I'm available. If you want, you know, if you want me to do some voice acting on your project, I can certainly do that. Um, if you want me to do some acting with you, if you want me to, you know, whatever, be on my podcast, I'll be on your podcast, whatever you guys want. I am totally available for that. So I'm right here for you. So that's awesome. If uh, I guess uh, again, amazing unlimited resources from him. It's fantastic. I think that's just the perfect way to end off this episode of the geo show. Thank you everyone for listening. If you want to find more episodes of the show, we are on Spotify and SoundCloud. Just simply search for The Geo Show and you'll find us. We're soon coming to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Google Podcasts. We're also on Facebook. Just search up The Geo Show and you will find us. We're on YouTube as well under GeoTV1. And I am on Twitter as well. You can find links to all that through the uh, Facebook page. Robbie, thank you for coming on the show. Very insightful interview. Fantastic to talk to you. Anything you want to say before we go? Gio, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. Seriously, I really do appreciate the opportunity. It's seriously been a really nice time talking to you. I can't tell you how much I, I thank you for this opportunity. And I really want you to continue this because you're doing a great job. I'm really proud of you. And, you know, as far as for your listeners, man, keep tuning in to Gio. He's a great guy, um, you know. Um, and, and whatever artistic endeavors you as a listener are engaged in at the moment, keep going for that. And as I mentioned, if you want any tips or any insights, no matter where you live in the world, let me know. Let Gio know. He'll get us in touch. Whatever. Just keep going. Just don't stop. Persistence is the key. Believe and you can achieve. I live by that saying. Okay, so yeah, man. Thank you so much. Definitely. No problem at all. Happy to have you. We'll definitely have you back in future. And thank you all for listening to the show. We'll be back with another episode next week. See you then. Bye. The Geo Show. Geo Show. The Geo Show. The Geo Show.